Welcome to the second hour episode of Driving to the Res with your favorite hosts, Larry and Inelia. Larry and Inelia. And that would be your and Ilya. Yay! <laughs> believe it or not, that was completely unrehearsed. Com- completely, you wouldn't believe it, but it actually was unrehearsed. Yes. <laughs> so super exciting, right? This is a sample episode that we are releasing as a second hour, but it's actually our podcast this Monday. It, it's what our second hour will be like. It it will be. I mean, I'm gonna say it's. Uh, similar to what our second hour is going to be like, but I hope that this doesn't happen every again. time. <laughs> really so we're going to look at a regression that you did. Regarding, well, remember what happened? Let's, yeah, we need to back up a little bit. Let's back up. Okay. So if you remember last week, we were talking about waking up in the morning with your hair brushed the wrong way. Yes. Which in itself, you know, big deal. Your hair's brushed the wrong way. So what? Perfectly. Well, it's perfectly brushed the wrong way. I mean, there are circumstances where men wake up in the morning and their hair is perfect, but usually (laughs) it's only because they've cut their hair almost all the way off. (laughs) The buzz cut. That's what they do in the uh, Coast Guard or the Army or whatever. So you You wake up, you get out of bed, you put on your hat and you're already dressed. It's like, go. Yeah. In this case, my hair is a little bit longer. It's not exactly super long or Mm. super short, but It doesn't wake up in the morning after a shower perfectly brushed. No. No, no which way. It's sticking up here yeah. and a little bit in there. And the back. Occasionally. Yeah. So this this morning I woke up and I, I felt my hair was weird. You know, you can feel your hair is like, feels weird. Yeah. Usually you just put a hat on and just go on with your day. Yeah. Until your wife says, hey, you know, your hair is sticking up all over the place. Because you asked her and I keep forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what happens is. Inelia, you let me go around with crazy hair all day long. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell you. I didn't I tell you to let me know. Oh, I didn't know. Sorry. So, so we were talking about your hair going crazy. But anyways, yes. Yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things. I walk by the mirror because my hair is feeling weird. And I think, well, I'll just take care of myself. I'm a grown up. I can do it. I can fix my own hair. Nobody has to tell me. I look in the mirror and it's perfect. <laughs> Completely perfect. It's completely perfect, but backwards. Yes. I look in the mirror, look at the mirror. It's like this right now. So you can see what it was looked like. It's like perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's not perfect, you know, but it's okay. It's perfect. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but. And I thought that's really strange. It's perfect and backwards. It, yeah. <clears throat> it was the now, other way. There's yeah. no way for that to be done in laying in bed, rolling around. Wake up with wet hair and it's perfect, but backwards. Yeah. I was like, well, that's still strange, but okay. he says, Yeah, never guess what happened. <laughs> I did, I told you tonight. Yeah. Never happened. I mean, maybe once in my entire life, but Jesus, this is so strange. <laughs> Look at my hair, it's perfect. I it's the perfect. other way around. <laughs> like what were you okay, thinking? Honey. <laughs> okay, honey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, honey. You say so. It's like it's all right. Unless it's happening to you. You don't Probably understand. you don't really understand. Right. I'm, I mean, get up in the morning tomorrow and tell me how your hair looks. Go look in the mirror, but make sure you take a shower right before you go to bed. Make sure it's a bit wet. Yeah. And go to bed and wake up in the morning and tell me what your hair looks like. We can take a picture and put it on. Talk to me now if you want. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does my hair look like when after I wake up after a shower bed. and go to bed directly with wet hair? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see. It isn't going to be perfect. No. <laughs> anyway. So I kind of like that's that. It's yeah. like, well, that was an interesting day. Our day is yeah. full of magical things, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, and then your, we had Sunday dinner because we had Sunday in. dinner or lunch every Sunday what Shaman Shark, right? So we have the tribe come in from all over the peninsula to have our lunch together. We do our pure heart meditation. Yep, we do pure heart. And then we have our lunch. Did you notice the pure heart time changed? From 11 to 11? You, no, from 10 to from 11 to 10. No. Yeah. No. Something changed. For me, it was different. You didn't make one? Yeah. Okay. Well, the time Anyways. changed in my mind. And then so it was like another one of those things for the day. Is like the day after. Everything is different for some reason today. It's like, why are we doing this at this time? It's like, <laughs> this is the wrong time. Anyway, we sat down for dinner, lunch, and the whole tribe's here and talking and giggling and having fun. And I say, you ain't yeah, going to believe what happened, happened to, me to me last night. Last night. This well, morning. not the last night. As I said this morning, I shared about the exactly what I shared. I made a nice, funny story about waking up your hair brushed the wrong way and right. And then Fred's eyes got real big. Yeah, Fred's got really long hair. Yeah, I, I joke it's down to his knees, but it's really only down to his kind of waist or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite long. A little bit of really, like Well, you know, we have we have a reluctant barber. she appears every now and very rarely so it's almost like our hair is a one of the whys to attract her to come out to the to the shaman shack because otherwise how are we going to get a haircut we can't go to the barber like normal people anymore (laughs) (laughs) so anyways anyways his he said you're not going to believe it but my hair was brushed perfectly the wrong way too this morning this morning and that's never happened that has never happened in my entire life he spends a lot of time on his hair he's got long hair yeah and he brushes it perfectly perfect line and, and he he's had it as a blow dryer and a blow dryer trains his entire it. Life. He does never goes to bed with his hair wet. Never. It's brushed. Brushed. And it's perfect. combed the normal way. Yeah. And you know, if you use a hair dryer, it makes your hair remember where it is. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever used a blow hair dryer, but yeah. I did it before. I could never get it to work for me, honestly. I tried. It's like, what the heck now is my hair doing? <laughs> But yeah, so he's he used that. to it. And he said, yeah. I've had the same hairstyle since I was in high school. And he hasn't he dries changed it. He anything. Yeah. And he woke up and he looked and he saw that it was perfectly brushed the wrong way. And he thought, well, <laughs> that's, that's impossible. a bad hair day. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do now? My, what the hell am I going to do? I can't come out. My hair is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so then when it, that's when I said... Okay, so one is a coincidence. Two of you is a communication. Yeah. There's something that happened last night that you both want to remember. And this is a way to communicate to yourselves. Remember this and look into it. So then we went ahead um, and I did a, a ninja regression remembrance with Larry. It's very fast, very light just to get the data points in. Um, it was about probably 10 minutes. We did not record it. And then I said, okay, now you've got your doors open for that memory to expand. And then the next day, 
Fred did the, he's, he's a professional trained regressionist from the Dolores Cannon School. Right. right? It, it wasn't the next day. We, we, we had um, all those firewalls. Oh, really? Bubbly, bubbly. What are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you going? We said, we said, let's do it tonight. And then we said the next day, let's do it tomorrow night. Because those two days, oh my God, I was like, Zonked. Zonked. Max, like, no, I can't do anything. I'm too tired. I can't possibly do it. And so uh, it was the firewalls that I think we put. Yeah. That were put to stop us from looking. Yeah, because, you know, if you have an experience and you decide I'm going to forget and then you decide I actually want to remember. So there's like conflicting. Yeah, there's conflicting fouls or programs running, right? But anyway, they got it done. It took a few days of firewalls and then we actually got it done. One night was like, do you know why we did it? (laughs) Because the next morning we're going to record our show. It's like, (laughs) we we have to do it tonight. We have like three hours. (laughs) I mean, we have six hours until they're going to do a recording of our second hour podcast. And we have a very important day. We can't break with Ilya and Adelina. They're very busy. Yeah. So uh, we have to do it tonight. It's nine o'clock. How long does this take, Fred? Like hour or so? Let's do a fast one, okay? Just, just swoop in there and take a look, <laughs> and then we'll swoop out, go to bed, take showers, and we'll be fine. Just an hour will be fine. Yeah. The next thing I know, it's almost Midnight. one o'clock in the morning, yeah. and I say that was a half hour, Fred. How did it get to be almost one o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Three and a half hours, four yeah. hours. Yeah. Holy moly. I was just laid down there. It was an interesting experience because, well, I didn't um, expect what came. I mean, I had an inkling of what's coming because Anelia had sat with me and done a quick, what I thought we would be doing that, that night with Fred, a quick one to kind of tap in and say, is there, is there memories there to look at? But I had no idea three and a half hours later what I was going to be um, sharing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's kind of left me a little bit unsettled, a little bit speechless, and a little bit unsure of how to proceed. So I think the best way to proceed is just tell everyone everything. Transparency usually works. And then let the cards fall where they may. And, uh, you know... I'm not the only one who's had an experience like this. Obviously, mm-hmm. Fred did too. <laughs> 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 and as it turns out, others. But others, yeah. We haven't talked with the others about it, so we'll I'm just not mention them. We'll because, try to restrict yeah. our conversation to just the two people that we have spoken about, yeah, or spoken with, and maybe one of them that's public already. So, you know, it's okay. Yeah. But anyone else's private information will keep private until and when and if they're wanting to, you know, share some of their story right. too. But yeah. that seemed like reasonable to reasonable. me. Reasonable. Yes. And that seems reasonable. So uh, what do you think I should just well spill the beans, everything, or just, you know. Well, we have the recording that Ilya's going to slice in. Oh, right. so well, we um, do have that. So we let the story happen, and they'll find yeah, out on this as I yeah, found out. Same exactly, way, okay. yeah, yeah. Is that what you think? Yeah, I mean, the first half hour. Or How so about we was... have a third hour and we just sort of beat around the bush? 
yeah. <laughs> beat around the bush today and you really have to subscribe <laughs> if you want to know the rest of the story. Oh, MG. Want to do that? No, don't do that. No? Okay, come on. Don't do that. <laughs> so uh, there, the but, first part of it was uh, regression to previous lifetimes. Did right. you guys did. have any questions around that or did you want to go straight to the, the second part of the hair, the hair experience? Yeah, initially I was curious how that worked um, because it's, it's uh, new to me and it was uh, interesting to uh, hear Larry go through that experience. And then I wondered about our audience, they would likely want to go to the ET experience. So, I, yeah, I think it's important. One thing you gave, the, you gave the plot away, you said ET experience. I did. <laughs> it's okay it's fine so okay everybody it was an et it experience was an ET experience <laughs> i'm gonna cut it out <laughs> no you don't <laughs> it's like, but i do want to comment about the, the process that fred used to explain to me that we're going to work on a couple of past lives first and those past life experiences will bring us to a point of theta state or some kind of word like that that then we can start to access the other memories that are more subconscious yeah so the exercise of visiting our past life experiences was basically to induct us into a theta state where we're able to access our memories like um, if you close your eyes he said he started to close your eyes and imagine a rose what does it look like imagine a yellow square imagine a mm. beach with sand that kind of thing and then when i said so, so that is where you're going to look to access some of this information so your body was like, got the directions. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I was impressed with that. Yeah. He's very good at what he does. Right. So we spent about a half hour, 40 minutes, probably a half hour looking at two past lives. And I enjoy those past lives. Let me tell you what. <laughs> they were pretty good ones. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody have questions about those? Um, I did look up some of the stuff that I found in the past life to see if I could uh, locate them in history. Mm-hmm. And I had some luck. It was pretty cool. Did you happen to look up the flying turtles reference? And so move forward from there to a, a time in that life that seems important. Time that you feel that's important in that lifetime. And so what do you see? We have a fire and we're looking at the night sky. And um, we see, well, UFOs basically. Mm-hmm. A pack of five running through the sky. Strange. It like, looks so strange. Big UFOs, or what do they look like? They look like little ones, but they're in a formation. Formation, right. Mm-hmm traveling through the sky and low enough that you can see some detail, not just dots of light, but like um, some detail, you know. Mm-hmm. Is there someone with you? Couple. They see it too? Yep. It wasn't a, uh, nothing happened, but just saw it, you know. Uh-huh. But it was pretty pretty far out because you don't see that. <laughs> right. <laughs> in that time. No, it's not quite normal. 
So at the time, let's see, it was flying turtles. So you were talking about seeing flying turtles? Yeah. Which makes as much sense then as it did now. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck are those turtles flying? <laughs> Look at that. Holy shit. Well, the flying turtles, that's, that's, that's an interesting one. I didn't think to try to look that up because, you know, <laughs> the, the record records in that time were, were, were oral. So we didn't really have written the oral, the oral. So one of the things that's interesting about that is at the time I had no frame of reference to describe an object flying through the sky that looks like a flying saucer type of thing. So oh, it kind of looks like a turtle. Yeah. So it's a flying, it's a flying turtle. turtle. Yeah. Yeah, I totally got the imagery, and I wondered if there's uh, references in the in your tribe's story stories or drawings of flying turtles. Well, in our in the tribe that I'm a member of currently, Macaw tribe, our history has a thunderbird, and the thunderbird is silver and bright and makes a loud right? noise, and you don't look at it because he'll take you away. He'll take you away if you do. <laughs> so thunderbird is what this. Tribe. This flying turtles was more of a Plains Indian life. I had teepees and by river and multiple villages and started our own, our new village and had good reasons for it and looked at the reasons for it. Had that whole experience of bringing to fruition a vision that wasn't all I, me, myself, but was more we collective, collective group. Identity, driven. right? Yeah. As an identity, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty cool life and it had practical relation to our current life and our current experience where we're basically building a new tribe, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Building new tribes, yeah. I suppose. So the flying turtles is pretty cool, yeah. Because that was like that did segue right into what happened, which is <laughs> another UFO. <laughs> right. I you know what would be fun is to do a regression on that lifetime. Of the flying turtles. Let's see if oh. the flying turtles are grabbing me back then, too. Oh, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Anyway. So, as I was listening to the recording, I thought that's exactly what's going to happen, and that you would eventually mention that the entire thing had started back then with the flying turtles. Well, right now I just realized it did, but I didn't realize that it did then. Right. I didn't think about it, but it was a it was Connected. interesting how it appeared in that past life remembering. It just, it just illustrates that what you see is programmed or interpreted by your brain, by your mind, depending on your culture and what you already know exists. It's very, very telling that way. So to catch people up, it was the past life um, remembrance of a life as a Plains type Indian and uh, I was with, I think I remember right, I, I was with, uh, maybe we should just clip in that little bit. So that yeah. wasn't very long, noticing the flying turtles. Yeah, yeah. let's. Okay. That probably be worthwhile. Yeah. But I had, uh, <laughs> I had moved to a, a notable experience in that lifetime of some kind. Yeah. And this was one of those that pops up as a remembered, remembered experience during that lifetime that was notable. Mm. So we had a UFO experience. That was so cool. <laughs>
All right. <clears throat> well, that whole process brought me to a state of conversation. I mean, when I was talking with Fred at that point, I was sort of like stepped to the side of myself in the sense that he could ask a question. I could answer the question like I knew the answer, but I don't know the answer, but I knew the answer. It's very strange. Well, he was talking to your broader awareness, right? Or he called it subconscious self or, you know. Yeah, yourself. I mean, yeah. It's well known that we, as a species, we or a person, we can sense and see and perceive and understand way, way bigger than what consciously we remember, right? Right. So we know this. That's why sometimes when people do hypnotherapy they go to a location and then they see all the details that they hadn't noticed before because we very keenly filter out a lot of information that's coming into us because there's overload otherwise yeah right because so you would know the answers right because you were there you saw you perceived and you knew but all, a lot of that information you decided to forget so you could have your daily experience without taint, tainting it with other stuff, right? Yeah, but I did comb my hair the wrong way so that I wouldn't forget. So yes. there is that. It's the playful side of it. And also, um, we do that type of messaging in our lives all the time. Little I mean, hints. everybody who's listening to the second hour or even the first hour driving to the rest had placed little markers in their lives to remember stuff and to become more aware and expand their awareness, right? And they, they, they will see that as that remembrance. They will perceive that, ah, oh, you know, it's wake-up time. So I'm going to wake up now. And it could be all sorts of things, you know? So this one, yeah, it's very playful and it was a communication because the information is ready to come out. You know? Right, and the funny... One of, the, one of the interesting things to me is that the circumstance of the Sunday dinner was what brought the cares combed the wrong way to both Fred and I's awareness. But even if we both had been aware, it was like Fred said his was backwards too. And I'm thinking- He never mentioned it. Well, he never mentioned it. He was going to forget it. And yeah. I m- mentioned it because it was kind of funny and yeah. I was he having a conversation. Had, he did say, I forgot about it until you mentioned it. And I remember, wait, that happened to me this morning too. But if it had just been Fred and I talking and he had said, yeah, I combed my hair wrong this morning too, I'd be like, wow, that's crazy. But that would have been it over right. because yeah. nothing would have gone past that. Right. It wouldn't have been enough for us to say. It's a communication. It's a communication. <laughs> it would have been just enough for us to say. What a great coincidence. That's crazy. <laughs> and then go on and cook and let's uh, go for a hike or whatever. I'll fix a car. So we needed, the, <laughs> we needed whoever else was with <clears throat> us to help bring it to real. Bring it to hey, look. This is a don't forget. This is a this was a reminder to yourselves of something. So we should look. So as a community orchestration. Yeah. Cool. I believe Inelia is the only one who mentioned that this is a communication or a message because I also thought that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. (laughs) I wouldn't have thought to inquire further as you guys did. Well. Oddly enough, Vanilla is here for for pretty much expressly that purpose. Wake up, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like trying to wake Welcome up a territory of a billion people all 
wake up, wake up. You get one nearly awake, right? <laughs> and then you go to the next one and ah, that one is back, back to asleep. sleep. Oh my God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. You're so patient, honey. I know, super patient. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I have a question about the sessions. Okay. I w- it, was, it was interesting to, to hear Fred uh, doing the, li- the past life regression. And it, it felt like it was like training wheels for what was about to happen next. Yes. And I was surprised that he continued to do the, the actual, I guess, memory retrieval session, let's put it. I don't know if that's the name. And I was surprised that he agreed to do it because he was also part of the experience. So it wasn't there a concern that he would be either biased or worse triggered by whatever he might have said? Biased or triggered, no. Where What was relevant was that it was a shared experience and that's why we wanted to do it together. Yeah. So as I could remember, he might have his memory jogged a little bit too in order to ask questions that were actually relevant. It's so not like it a wasn't regular, a scientific yeah. uh, process. I'm trying to prove a remembrance right. or anything. Yeah. It was, had nothing to do with that. I don't care if you believe it or not. I don't even know if I believe it. Yeah. Because, you know, honestly... <laughs> <laughs> it isn't a uh, common enough experience, although I've read plenty of those experiences. It doesn't, it doesn't ring in my body as uh, made up. Made up. It was, I mean, I, I could have, I guess, made up it, but it's not my nature to make things up and just <laughs> let's go with that bowl. Here's a story about this one. I'll make that up too. And you know what else? This too. And hey, here. So some of the things, you know, they were just like, what do you like on your sandwich? Peanut butter and jelly. What kind of jelly do you want? I would like um, grape jam. I don't like grape jelly. I mean, that's just, didn't have to make that up. That came out like normal because it's real. You're breaking up a little. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking with regards to um, Fred being, you know, doing a session, but also being highly involved in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, that wouldn't happen because, you know, he's he would be very um, neutral, right, and not part mm-hmm. of the story. But this one, we they agreed to do this as kind of a joint thing and explore the situation together. Right. Right. And it, it's not your regular session. You wouldn't go through like that. Right. And there's no I way. Mean, the methodology, yes. Yeah. It's a very set methodology that he's been using for years. But it's a very different aspect because he did have a, a role to play in it. He did have, he was there. His right? hair was backwards too. So. <laughs> In a way, I think he made it way more interesting because he was able to ask, you know, well, you know, what is our role? And, you know, Fred and Larry and this and this and the other. And, you know, it's I think he made it to be a much richer experience. And yeah, because he was actually interested enough in doing it to begin at at nine o'clock at night and continue all the way until one o'clock, totally engaged and excited, despite the fact he has to get up at five o'clock in the morning the next day. Right. It still stayed up till one o'clock and asked more and more questions. It's barely done at the end, you know? Yeah. So and it was a very interested party. Having done mm-hmm. 
these recession things with other people and having listened to the one that they did, to me, it felt more real and more, more energized because of that. Now, like I said, normally you wouldn't do that, right? Because you, as a counselor or, or, or somebody who does a, a therapy or of some kind of regression memory thing, then, you know, one of the rules is, you know, don't bring yourself into the other person's case, right? You don't bring yourself in. But this was a very specific exercise and experiment that they decided to do, uh, knowing that that was part of it. He had to bring himself in and look and see and feel and test you know the information as he was coming in right interestingly to note normally in his process he's he's outside of the little um process that they do the the can dolores's process puts the person that's being regressed in a space that's separate Mm -hmm. from the space that you are and in this case he put me in that space but he also put another one outside of us that included both of us Mm -hmm. that was an earlier suggestion for him so he was included in Right, right. So, so it was slightly modified. Yeah. Uh, a question for Emilia: As you listened to the recording and you were hearing Larry speak, did he sound different to you? Because to me, and I think Adina as well, he sounded very uh, relaxed, calm, and very sure of himself. Like that's why it felt like he was doing channeling and connecting directly to the experience and relating it as the questions were being asked. And I think yeah. even said, like, let's, let, let me go look or let me ask, and he would then bring an answer. I think that when you are in that theta state, um, everybody does this, uh, a lot of the programming that you have and all the I mean and myself stuff drops away. So it's a level of relax that you're actually talking to the real person. But it can sound, wow, this sounds so different. You know, usually they all sprung up and this and this and the other. And there's just clarity and vocabulary and standing their ground and, you know, being quite firm, but gentle. But that's actually Larry. I mean, I've seen Larry this way a lot, right? But mostly... He's also, as an I mean myself, smaller personality construct. He's shy, actually. But at the same time, he's a Leo, so he wants attention. So there's a kind of dynamic of tension there all the time. <laughs> look at me. Right? Don't look at me. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look at me. You know. So throughout the years, when him and I are talking about something and looking at something deeper, um, more involved he does do that naturally he just calms himself down hmm, let me think about that or I'm going to look and see and he just goes into the other space that's Larry the elder right mm-hmm. so to me he didn't sound any different um, it felt like he was very clear and this is something that is also him he's very studious and he likes to inquire about a topic from every single angle. So mm-hmm. I can just imagine him during those visits with these other beings being very thorough in his questioning, right? If he asks some. Uh oh. 
<laughs> We're blowing up the internet, honey. <laughs> it's okay if the internet blows up. It'll be fixed. It's a self-organizing collective. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you're saying he's very thorough with, that is very thorough with, uh, with the question to that. Yeah, so he's thorough and he will inquiry uh, through different aspects or angles and things. And I can just imagine him doing that when he's with those in, with the species that he was visiting with. He would do that. He would ask and ask and ask again and clarify and look and, you know. And then, of course, most of the creatures in the universe have experiential telepathy. You can actually connect with somebody and have a communication with them. And as our species goes more naturally normal, the human species, we are developing and we are um, expanding our sense of communication that up to now have been very, very uh, suppressed. Like say, somebody will say um, compassion. What does that compassion mean? It actually means feeling what the other person's feeling, right? Which is a human mm -hmm. form, is, is what we are. We feel what others feel. We, we, and, and also we can hear what others are thinking mm -hmm. and, and sense what others are sensing. So it's, it's just delving deeper into that. And then when you do that, and people give it different names. You, they can say, yeah, I went into the Akashic Records. I can see everything and read everything. We have different names for it, but it's part of our collective to be able to tap into those type of information. And then if you communicate with a different species, you can contact them too and talk to them too. So, you know, there's people who are very connected to trees and they can connect with the tree collective and get lots of information about the trees and or cats, right? What about the animal communicators around the planet? You know, that's exactly what they do. So when, for example, that lady Anna who communicates with animals in South Africa, when she's communicating with the gazelle, would you say, oh, she's channeling the gazelles, right? I don't think so because there isn't a gazelle that went into her body and speaking through her mouth. I think mm. she's contacting the gazelle and saying, hey, what are you doing? Oh, we're eating grass, right? Oh, okay. So if something happens and you're stressed out, what do you do? Mm. Oh, we eat grass. It's a grass. Right? And then what? Are, when, <coughs> when you come and everything's good, we eat grass. Right? We eat grass. So it's like she's not channeling the gazelle. She's just communicating with them. Right. You know, as parents, right, when you when Emil couldn't speak yet and he was a tiny baby, all you wanted to do when he was crying is, what is going on? What's just going on? Why speak to me? You know, <laughs> just tell me what's going on. And at some point in that development, it's not that he became more quiet or more able to settle down. It's that you were able to connect and communicate with each other and know what he was saying with his cry, right? You're able to perceive it, sense it, know it. Right. So that that development is like that. So when I listened to the recording, to me, not, not even for one second did I think Larry was channeling anything. Yeah. But he was calm and he was in deep communication and able to perceive and sense information that was being shared with him 
or that he already knew? Incidentally, we listened to that at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, because after he finished, <laughs> he came back, he came to bed and he wanted to listen to it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, it's so late, you know, so. But once we got started, we couldn't stop. Yeah, it was so interesting that, you know, carried on listening to it. And then at one point I said, you know, I'm done. I have to go to sleep. <laughs> and then I, I went to sleep and he finished it. He carried on listening to all of it again. <laughs> so we have you know all sorts of kind of questions and underlying things uh do you want us to go to that or do you want a different format i think that we could talk i mean you know if you have a question <laughs> a specific question about something we can play it mm-hmm. and then you can ask it right and then we right. we'll look and see if we have any more data on it so um, yeah, right at the beginning of the the memory retrieval session, uh, and we will play that segment. Larry says that to get done what we went what, what we wanted to get done is best. We don't get so uncomfortable. There is no need for it. And uh, there is an entire discussion about why. Uh, Larry was getting uncomfortable and how that was dealt with. And we have questions about that as well. But the question here is what needed to get done? And I'm not sure I understood from the recording. This is the beginning of the retrieval of the memory? Yes, right the beginning, yes. I think you have to play it for me because I, I can't remember. Because <laughs> he's running the program, forget the thing, so... <laughs> So you talked about, you know, getting it done means, you know, getting up there um, into the ship. It uh, gets very traumatic for the physical body or the mental. Okay, right? right. But you needed to do it to get it done. But he wants to know, get what done? Well, when we go for a visit, mm-hmm. what needs to get done there? Yeah. Yes. Question. Well, every visit was different towards the end of the re- end of the memory. It becomes more, you get more detail about that that question is specifically asked and so in the case of us fred and i and others unnamed (laughs) we've had visits for our whole life since we're children and these visits mm, once every year once every two years not more frequently than that and their visits at one stage was the checkup checkup on your state and keep so the goal being, I guess I'm skipping around a little bit. <clears throat> each, each visit had a different purpose, but generally the same theme, which was upkeep and care of the body and the mind. Keep them in as yeah. good a state and as stable a state as possible, because uh, it turns out, being a human on the planet has a lot of distractions and a lot of uh, unknown unknowns that come in because everyone's body's different. Everyone's soul is a bit different. Everyone's idea of what they're here for is a bit different. Everyone's experience of forgetting everything is a bit different. Everyone is different. And so um, the specific ones that are gathered together with us in our ship 
have interrelationships and interactions together and uh, interactions with the world and other people and everybody's body responds to all those things differently. Not to mention they respond to going up on a ship and not remembering anything differently because as has been known for a long time, when you have like what feels like a traumatic experience, if you don't remember it consciously, it still has an effect on your life. It Mm -hmm. causes you to have like a strange fear of dark, terrified of it projections of animals attacking you and in my case i have nightmares for uh, i guess 45 years every single night a bear is going to get me through my window there's nothing <laughs> i can do about it no matter how hard i close the doors or close the windows turn off the lights turn off the lights get a dog get blankets couple blankets <laughs> under your bed doesn't matter what i do that bear is going to get me every freaking night yeah so that was a uh, i need interpretation yeah, that's how my mind was remembering what was going on by the most logical threat that I could call um, real. A bear would be a real thing because I lived in Alaska and I lived on the bottom floor and I read about bears attacking people. And so it terrified me. And that was equal terror as I was feeling when I would go on a visit. So um, the visit still needed to get done, but the comprehension of what effect the visit had causing more of the problems that the visits were supposed to solve that came over time. And that was part of the thing that I found interesting was that rather than a visit and you're uh, the victim of the visit, um, the knowing that at some point, knowing what the visits were causing and becoming aware enough to share, here's some of the ways we can maybe solve this so that we can continue to have our visits, but not continue to create trauma from it. That bringing that in, which is something that came in later, bringing that in with them <clears throat> so that they could comprehend that these effects are what's causing these other effects. So we need to delete these effects, the trauma, so that we don't have to keep coming back and have to fix all the things that the trauma is causing, you know? So it was a, it was a suggestions that I would have, made you know it's like how about try this how about try this it's a natural thing that i would have done and it was interesting to see they listened and that it wasn't their ideas it was our ideas we're the ones with the experience of being human Mm -hmm. their experiences of how do you deal with these crazy animals (laughs) so i wanted to interject a little bit of information around that um the human collective is very clever we are a very clever species around the universe And when we decided to do the jump of awareness here on on planet Earth and step away from the light-dark paradigm and into the natural light paradigm that we're originally from, um, we as a species um, put out a call for assistance, right? Because we got a little bit muddled up with the lower frequencies of a different universe, right? Got a little bit sticky there. We needed a little bit of assistance. And around the planet, millions of people can relate to, yeah, I know that is true. I answered that call. That's why I'm here, right? Many people know this and they can sense it. I know why I'm here. I'm here to assist the human collective, expand their awareness or ascend or whatever it is their culture will dictate or their <laughs> or their their investigations resonate the most with 
Now, it wasn't just souls that answered the call. It was also the human collective went to certain species that have technological advances that we don't have or don't use. And they said, hey, you know, dudes, can you help us? We need to do this. And we know you have certain technologies that maybe can help us. Some of them said, no, I don't think so. We're not interested. And some some of them said, that would be interesting. Yeah, we'd like to know how that would work with your species. Let's do that. Yeah, we'll help. Okay. So to me, the whole, you know, this particular species that Larry and Fred were talking to or they were in their ship was one of these species that are interested in helping out, but they haven't done this before. Nobody's done this before. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to integrate this technology. We need some volunteers and a whole bunch of people around the planet said, yeah, yeah, we'll volunteer to use to be that technology. Right. Okay. So now this is how we're going to do it. So we need to know where you are each lifetime. We're going to, you know, we're going to come in and we're going to start testing the technology and see how it integrates so that when the time comes, what time, what comes? Our choices to expand our awareness and become a collective again, become connected again being able to come in and out of that consciousness, collective consciousness at will, right? And so m- bunches and bunches of people around the planet volunteered and they're taken in as babies or even helped to come through into the planet as babies. And the technology is evolving and tested and seeing how it survives and, you know, what happens to the human bodies because human bodies are tough and they're, they're like animals, they're <laughs> wild, you know? <laughs> so they're hard to tame our human bodies, right? They're hard to tame. Um, and, and then it's that, that the evolution of that technology, and that's later on in the, in the regression, they talked about how there's clusters all over the world and some of them didn't make it, you know, make it out of those clusters. But the more you have in one location, the stronger that mess, that uh, way of, Uh, broadcasting is and we've been talking about this forever right it's like if you have more than one person with an intent it multiplies it becomes larger right if you have an intent to have been of high frequency and you do your work by yourself yes you raise the vibration and the frequency of the planet but if you do it with another person or with a group of people it amplifies larger and a higher frequency than by one person alone so this is what evolves and what happens. And this is part of that. One of the technologies that can assist it and accelerate it is this technology that these people bring, bring, are bringing in. And Larry and uh, the others in this particular cluster, they volunteered to be one of those clusters, right? So it's like they will naturally through life find each other and become, they have that pool. I need to live there. I want to be there. I want to be with in that area with these people. It's just a pool that just, you know, it's like, well, how can I do it? And, you know, you guys can relate probably because I know you guys are part of it too. (laughs) (laughs) It's irresistible. How do I manage it? What do I do? Right. Or you can start new clusters and attract people to where you are. So um, I, I wanted to clarify that because it's very easy to fall either into the victim aggressor or to give your authority away, thinking these people are doing these things to us and here we are, passive passengers, which is not the case, not, not for the human close. collective. 
Not even close. Right. <clears throat> when I listen to you and think about clusters and getting together, then what, what comes to my mind is decentralization. So now it's like, okay, so now what's better? It's like be decentralized, get into clusters. Yeah, so I think there's a misunderstanding of what decentralization means. Mm. Okay. Because decentralization do not cluster. It means do not have what all the species centered around and one. around one thing, one authority in the middle, and everybody listens to their authority. Decentralization means that clusters all over the world come together and they're their own authority. They're their own. Authorities. They don't listen to one central authority for the planet. They're actually different authorities all over the planet for their area. That's decentralization. Oh, thank you. Now I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For electricity, for people who didn't example, understand that, for electricity, we have centralized electricity. It comes from a wire from one place, one dam, right? That dam has all the electricity for everybody's house. And decentralized electricity would be maybe Each there's a little free a energy device of some kind or a generator that generates electricity. And there's one for, one, for five houses or 10 one. houses yeah. or even just one for, for every houses. house. Yeah, That's decentralized. And centralized is where you have a dam and it goes to everyone. And the one yeah. guy gets all the money or one company or one state or whatever. Yeah. And that's everything. And that's the other one is each village or each neighborhood to have its own. They're self-autonomous. Yeah. Mm doesn't mean they don't cooperate. It just means they're autonomous. They're mm -hmm. not controlled Dependent, centrally. Yeah, on that central aspect part. So I'd like to go back to what Inelia interjected. And this is also ap ap um, visible in uh, the way Larry was speaking throughout the session. Because a couple of times he mentioned that, uh, no, they are not doing this to us. We are doing it, we chose to do it, we placed these programs, we chose to forget, we chose to even make that suggestion on, <clears throat> on how to be brought on the ship so it's uh, more comfortable. So um, there are no victims basically in this experience. And uh, <clears throat> my curiosity was then, why then start these visits if the body gets so traumatized and then you have a sort of a chain reaction because you have to have another visit to fix the previous trauma, but that creates another uh, traumatic event and so on and so forth. And I think, you know, you answered that because Larry volunteered for this and it's an experiment. Not everything is well known and uh, ironed out. So things are still like being tested. Yeah. We, uh, because you got to remember these, these beings that are uh, rec we recruited to help us, they're not humans. They don't they have, have human no bodies. Idea. They don't have human souls. They don't have human stuff. Right. And they don't interpret the world through a human lens. And they're not even on the same frequency, vibrationally. Um, so it's they like know. They, they couldn't know. They could only find out by experimenting and doing and trying. And the same with us. When we volunteer to come do this, the environment that we are existing in right now isn't the same as the environment that we existed in past lives even. It's a different environment entirely. And 
the moving target is that we're not the only ones creating, we're co-creating with others who have other agendas. Mm -hmm. So the miasma of reality of 8 billion supercomputers all simultaneously co-creating with different levels of tie-in together makes a reality that you can't foresee. <laughs> you can only maybe like that, maybe like that. So it wouldn't make sense that if we ask you to help us and then you show up to help us, when we get there, we freak out. That doesn't going to make any sense. Mm -hmm. It's like, why were you freaking out? Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> but the, the reality of existing in the fog, think of it as the fog of the planet Earth, is that you have loss of memory and you have human body and you have uh, set programs that came through life and they're, mm -hmm. they cause reactions and responses that are un unpredictable. Yeah. You might think, well, it should be easy to predict if you get zapped into here, you're going to be freaked out. And there is some consideration to, you know, this is unusual experience, but at the same time you said you wanted to. So why are you freaking out? Mm -hmm. And then if you calm down and you recognize and you relax and you rest and you take a little bit of time, then all of a sudden you're fine. It's like, well, why the freak out every time? <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. So when you put in a device and a device that helps, uh, like for instance, uh, an implant that that reminds you of the nausea you felt from drinking too much to help you remember don't drink before you start to drink, to start breaking that stress response, for example. It's like, how does that push you maybe into being a different kind of drug addict? It's like, okay, it's not booze. I guess I can try something else. You know, it's like, you can't know these yeah. things until you do it. And then find that each body's different. So that that's kind of why it isn't like a clear and easy science mm -hmm. because it it's a moving target with too many variables. Yeah. You push here and it squirts out over there. You push there, it squirts out over there. So you got to figure out how not to push. Mm -hmm. That's basically a one way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, this is so interesting because when I uh, listened to the recording and I heard about the uh, getting traumatized so much, I was thinking, oh, but why don't they connect to a soul level first, you know? <laughs> but now you answered it very clear uh, that, yeah, they, they are so different from us. They don't have a soul. So how, how could that communication take place? Yeah. Right. And that, 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 that brings into the question, what even is a soul? Right. Because there's the assumption in some way that a soul is some kind of a ghostly thing that's intangible and not talkable to, and they don't know what it is, but what it is that's different. Isn't that the soul is simply another, another <laughs> you yes. basically. How did that happen? Honey? We forgot to get one silent. Out. Oh my gosh. Out of all devices. How many? Devices? How could you do that to us? <laughs> So a soul is you. It's another you, another body, another everything, but it's at a different a subtlety. Yeah. It exists and as a, a symbiotic being. relationship between the body and the soul. It's a symbiotic relationship. But it's very unusual, right? And it's not common on the on the universe. So the symbiotic nature right. of two bodies as one. Right. Mm -hmm. They have communication with souls. They have yeah. communication with 
a human visit or a human body animals like bring dogs or cats or whatever up to the ship the dogs and the cats don't freak out they don't even care they're just like you know where are we that's weird got some food (laughs) food okay i'll have food well this is my new world okay yeah they don't have the same Unless you're a cat. Unless you're a cat. I don't even think the cat will. <laughs> Not our cats, but usually cats. You take we them took, to a new house and it's like. We took Brad to his new house. He looks around. Sniffing sniffs around. So long he's got a kitty box. He's fine. That's home. Yeah. If there's a box to poop in, I'm great. <laughs> I can find me some food. I can sit on this. Hey, look, there's a chair. That's, That's my, my chair. chair now. <laughs> That's my chair. It's been here for my whole life. <laughs> yeah. So it's different, right? So human bodies are different. But be- with her, this PB. Maybe. You move one little thing oh, in her yeah. environment, she freaks out completely. Yeah. Right. She said she freaks out. Look, I moved her. Yeah, moved. Oh, okay. No, can't do that. I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> she's a smart little dog, which means she's very aware of all movement around her so that she doesn't get squished. Yes. Good girl. Mm-hmm. So I think that I I believe, I don't know if uh it seems true. I didn't super connect, but it seems that the soul level beings are the ones that made the request and connection with that race and they, to come assist and yeah. keep this channel clear for us. We're going to try it out. We're going to incarnate. We're going to stay connected with you. You help us by staying outside the fog mm-hmm. and uh, we'll continue and see what happens as we do this to try to make this the most efficient way of keeping a clear channel, clear communication, clear beam of light. Yeah. So that would be the mechanism that you would ask. It wouldn't be like, I'm sitting there as a baby and I say, please come help me. I did. (laughs) You did, not me. (laughs) Help me guys. What the hell did you care? Why did you leave me here? Come back. (laughs) Yeah. at some point in the session you even mentioned that uh, we asked them to help us with the clear channel so we wouldn't be influenced anymore by the fog on the planet and uh, I think Fred asked you to like what would be your purpose uh, on the planet and uh, you'd say you said uh, that of backup and to me, that implied that there is a um, sort of a master plan for the planet. And if that fails because too, too many people are being um, lost in this fog illusion thingy, that there are a couple or maybe more than a couple, a lot of people that are the backup, which chose to volunteer for this um, program that keeps them connected with these beings that are outside the fog so they can give clear navigational direction. Did I understand that correctly? I think so. Yeah, go for it. So um, what I understood, there were perception that I understood from that explanation. It's not so much like a plan B, right? Mm. Because it feels to me like you're asking, is there a plan B? Yes, plan A. If it fails, then you guys do this. So imagine... I don't know if you have power outs where you live. We do. Okay. Do you have a generator that goes on when your power goes out? Not automatically, but we have one, yeah. Yes, exactly. You're not automatic, but you have one, right? Yes. 
So if power goes out, you plug in your generator and you still have power. Yeah. That's the way to see it. Okay, so the human collective is always in flux. Do you see the difference? So it's not a backup plan, it's a backup power. So there's still, yes. so we proceed. <laughs> right, exactly. So there's still light on the planet. You can yeah. switch it off. Mm. It's a direct connection to light all the time. And even if the human collective flickers like that, or the, the because like, for example, if that wave has succeeded around the planet, it would have caused a break in the matrix. It would have been not good. Yeah, the one she's talking about, remember that the wave of of truth, so to speak, truth that terrorizes terrorizes and terrifies and and cracks the matrix of the reality and brings in the dark one or whatever. God knows what, right? God knows what. So that, one of the reasons is not catching is because of the generators in the background, the people who are bringing in that light full on, no matter what. Decentralized. It's decentralized so they can do it, right? So it's that type of backup. That's how I saw it. Not so much plan B, but this is the backup. Power is always oh, here. The light is always here. Because this is the backup, even when the human collective is fluctuating because of these waves, the backup is always on, right? They will always have a generator that can turn on, max on, anytime there's a, a dip in the light. That's how mm-hmm. I saw it. I don't know if you saw it differently. That was the best way to describe it. It was like the lights come on when you say it that way. Yeah. Now it makes sense. You're the decentralized backup powers. Yeah. When the light flickers, it doesn't go off. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it goes off because it comes back on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes, yeah, you sometimes you have to go to the garage, take the generator, uh-huh, plug it in, put down, gas in it, it turn it on. We might need a big antenna. We might need yeah. to channel some extra in there because it's yeah. pretty foggy down there. So you might need a little help. Yeah. Because you're in the fog. Yeah. So here's a backup a torch, you know, to the to backup. Get it down there, you know, to get the flashlight, get into there to turn the thing on. So we're flashlight. And that's yeah, that's the work. I mean, that's what you're doing. It's right? the orchestration. Yeah. Cool. Good question. Good answer. When um, I mean throughout the session, you you've used a couple of times the expression "when the time comes" or "when it's time." Yeah. Um, to bring in either a message or to act and have clear uh, vision. Uh, and so we became very curious <laughs> when it's time for what? What's about to come? So basically, that refers to, in a sense, exactly what Anelia just described. When the power goes out, the power comes on. Yeah. And how to p- turn the power on is different depending on how the power went off. And there's a lot of ways for the power to go off. And there's a lot of ways uh, to respond. But if you're in the power outage and the, in the fog and the power went out, you don't even know that the power's out. Mm-hmm. So these are how you know the power went out. That's kind of the way that you might think about it. It's like right now we have a solar system set up with a... Um, a uh, Solar little power thing. Same thing we had on the Ilaria. When the power is coming in from the grid, the lights are on. When the power goes off, 
We don't even know because it flicks to batteries Instantly. and the lights are still on and nothing happened. <clears throat> yeah. That's an automatic process. This process is similar in that the automatic process is the connection that we made outside of the fog so that we know the power's out and the power comes back on. Kind of a way to think about it, an analogy. Because when we're in the Ilaria, sometimes, you know, if you're chatting and you look out the window and the whole village is dark. It's like, oh, what happened? Oh, the village is all the dark. Is oh, the, ma- the power must be out. That's because you're outside of that the village, right? Mm-hmm. Have a viewpoint outside of the village and you can see that the village is dark. But you're not because your power came on automatically. So that connection also gives you that perspective of, oh, look, the village is all dark because I'm outside it, I can see. Right. right. So then when yeah, the parents comes in a similar um, metaphor with the power generator, meaning you're sort of a you're monitoring that the light stays on. And time, the time comes when the light is flickering, then it's time to turn on, you know, your light even brighter or make sure it's visible. And, uh, well, let's say our batteries are dead and the flight does go off and the power's <laughs> off and everybody's power's off. <laughs> if your battery's off. And your batteries are off and you're like... You're not good. <laughs> hmm. They're powering that. <laughs> well, you have a connection to say, hey, your power's out, turn your batteries on. Yeah. That's that can even happen, you know, because you don't even know that it happened because you're in it. Yeah. You can't know everything while you're in it. Everything. I mean, you can experience a trauma, you can experience an event, you can experience a thing happen, but sometimes it's so everything, so everywhere, the fog is everywhere and everything that you don't even know that something's different mm-hmm. without an outside perspective. So this is a process of including an outside of inside the fog perspective. I hope it's not making it more hard to understand, but. I think you actually talked to that effect in the session when you mentioned at some point uh, that they uh, don't have influence here, but they have the information. We are in the fog and we have influence, but we don't have information. Exactly. The connection bridges the two. They can Help us get your information while we also have influence. <laughs> oh, that's what the fog looks like. No, 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 that's not there. <laughs> There's none of that there. Don't worry. That's just, no, that's not a true, yeah. the true nature of real. That's a. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's, uh, interesting. Um, at some point, you mentioned the advanced technology that is supportive of our consciousness rather than imposing on our consciousness. And to me, that was interesting because I'm a technology nerd. And uh, anything you can say more about it? I mean, uh, there's a... Well, you know, it coordinates with your already happenings, sort of like... So the... One of the... I don't know. I don't know how to go into that. So I guess what why this was uh, what piqued my interest is because um, there are very few people that I know of, uh, let's call them light workers, who are okay with technology. Most of oh. other that I know, and I mentioned AI or implants or advanced consciousness technology, they're like, no, 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 I have none of that. And right, they, that's automatic response. Yeah, automatically, but like technology is bad, is negative, and it's here to 
overtake you, right? I think that's Control. partly partly that is some of the negative programming, so that we reject technology mm. that can be positive. That's false. And we've been people who are positive and people who can bring highly high frequency technology onto the planet a program to t- to know that technology is bad so don't go there don't do that don't investigate don't invent that's what happens so Anneli's used an example before <clears throat> what would happen if your cell phone was transmitting in a frequency that was supportive of life yeah what would the world look like what would the world look like if that were your Everyone on the planet is carrying a seven, four thirty-two, whatever number you know, the right frequency, frequency that, that supports, supports life, life and encourages growth and health. What if everyone were wearing a transmitter receiver of that frequency? Boy, what a great, great thing that would be! Yeah. Nobody would argue with that, would they? Well, apparently, some people would. <laughs> Not only would some people who would actually benefit from it, some people would who would rather you carry around a device that transmits a frequency that interrupts and disrupts yeah. i don't know <sighs> yeah i imagine a world where the, there'll be like lots of plants taking over the uh antennas for the cell yeah, towers the, but not to destroy the them and get nourished by them yes. all the towers <laughs> this is the place to be come Come guys, stay away from the transmitter. Come on, give it a little space. It's, it's choking it off, guys. We need to figure out how to slow these plants down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It can happen. So another question that I thought needs more explanation was when Fred asked if the beings you guys interacted with on the planet have any connection with the insect on planet Earth, like the mantis and the grasshoppers specifically. And you said something to the effect that they are more like a permission for them to enter this planet. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't very clear what that what you meant by that. So first of all, it would be important to maybe describe what they looked like. Maybe that part of the regression where I say kind of what they looked like might be worthwhile listening to but i as i recall now they had black their black dark um skin and their faces kind of looked like a grasshopper or mantis or type of thing and they had almond shaped eyes that were just beautiful and uh black on the bottom and then a wave of sunshine like filaments of ocean waves and then liquid brown tan just the most amazingly beautiful eyes you could ever imagine right Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do have a resemblance to a skinny, tall mantis grasshopper type being, right? My first awareness was of liquid almond, a liquid almond eye. Mm-hmm. And the bottom half or the top half is black and the bottom half is the top half. I can't remember which order. The bottom is bottom is black and then the middle is like the surface of the sun waves and the top is liquidy mm-hmm. light brown that's the almond shape 
eye if you look really really close and the eye is like really really close that was the first thing i saw so them as beings they're not um etherical or not astral or anything like that they're physical beings. they're physical beings they're just less they're more subtle they subtle. are um, more insecty and more insecty <laughs> do they have a physical uh, uh how can i put it a reflection of the insects that we would see here on the planet that might be some something from a similar planet or something like that well like i said grasshopper head mantis type that uh, would be what you would think so but th they are very much skinnier and very much taller so the grasshoppers and mantises that are on this planet now are they seeded from the same place as them or is that just coincidental they're like the t cells of their toe something like that oh, it's okay. like a genetic genetically okay so uh like a mini me uh -huh. but not a conscious mini me not a actual let's um, see the planet with baby us more like um uh, if we have cellul cells of us a cell of us existing then we have um, input allowed oh i see so they're not intended or oh they're not intended to be in any way a conscious addition they are intended to be a permission right like a um, an entry ticket right right and so grasshoppers and mantids on the planet fred wanted to know if they were related in some way and they were related in the way of like our brain can interpret them <laughs> Our brain can interpret them like a cell of their toe. Like the, turtle, like the flying turtles. Flying turtles. Yeah. But the sense of permission slip, and Ilya talked about that, permission slip to engage in human. So, or in Gaia. It's not so much, like yeah, it's, it's almost like allowance. It allows, you know, it's not permission as such. The word permission and allowance are very closely related, but actually they're different. So, for example, if you had never, ever, ever seen the color yellow mm -hmm. and you didn't know it existed and somebody showed you the color yellow, there's a couple of things that can happen. One of them is that you will not see it. Right. Mm -hmm. right? And another thing that can happen is that you look at it and say, what the hell is that? Is that a being? Is that a fruit? Is that a tree? What is that? And this person will say, it's a color. Oh, it's a color. What's it called? Yellow. Boom. Now you can see it. Now you know what it is. It's a color yellow. Right? So this is a way that we interpret things. So in a previous lifetime, when Larry was uh, a Plains Indian, he saw these things in the sky and he interpreted them in his brain. He saw turtles. Flying turtles. Flying turtles. He saw flying turtles. What else turtles. could they be? Turtles. There's nothing else they could flying. be. Right? Right. Nothing else that could be. And that's what came through. That's what he saw. So this time with the mantis and their energies, it's like an allowance to see them. It's like it allows us to see them because they look similarly to something that's here. 
They're flying they, turtles. They're flying turtles, right? <laughs> but they're really not tall black mantises. But no. our interpretation is that. Because it's the closest thing that we can interpret. But it also gives the, the, the human interpretation mind the ability to see them because this looks similar to this other thing. Right. That's quite funny because we think we're beyond calling them flying turtles. Right. And then we call them grasshoppers. Exactly. You see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Right. We're so advanced. We're just the same. Yeah. So we <laughs> might laugh at uh, a native plains Indian <laughs> from cotton how many hundreds of years ago. Flying turtles. Yeah, really? You Come call on. them flying turtles? How many turtles you've you seen flying was, lately? Yeah. You, you thought it so was silly. a flying turtle, really? They're really grasshoppers. Exactly. <laughs> they're you know they're actually grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> they're flying saucers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're plates. They're plates. <laughs> they're plates. <laughs> Jeez, get it straight, guys. <laughs> so, so what... I understand you're saying is that in this case, uh, the terrestrial insects provide sort of a framework for our mind to at least see them and interact yes. with them because we get to put a, a name. You know, they are like the grasshoppers or they are like the mantids. Yes. Right. You got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's... Um. I think in the in the regression I called it like the cell of their big toe or something. It's like yes. that's how close they actually are to each other. Not very much. <laughs> that's yes. not very much. One of the yes. cells off of your big toe is not very you. much. It's not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a discussion in the session where Fred asked if will this interfere with your daily lives now because you've played this game to um, trigger an inquiry. So now we have this podcast. And you said that, no, it won't happen because, and also there will be a time not very far when we will remember because it will no longer take over our life. And uh, you go on to say, I don't remember the exact words, that uh, if something is common, then it won't become an obsession or it can't take over your life. Mm -hmm. So do what do you know about um, it is becoming common not very far away in the future? <laughs> so what, what, yeah, to put it into context, unless you um, insert the clip of that. And so when we go up to the ship and we'll probably, it's likely that we'll probably have more visits again that we won't remember. There's going to come a time not too far where we will remember. We don't have to not remember, but it will because it won't take over our life. Okay. Because at some point, instead of it being, oh my God, aliens are this, that, it's going to be um, common. So when it's common, it's not um, needed to forget it. Basically, basically, um, some people's lives have become all about all it. about their contact experience, yeah. and our yeah. purpose isn't to be all about our contact experience. Our purpose was, as you described, more like to be backup power. Mm -hmm. So, 
a life that's spent uh, trying to convince everybody about the realness or explain our experience or go to the conventions and have that life path, that probably would be distractive because we wouldn't be gathered. We would be going, 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 going all over doing that instead of what we're here for. So that's the sense where we're not going to make contact experience the center of our life and then continue and make this our, our um, life purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's part of the forgetting part of it while we like forget about it. But One of the things that's unique, not unique, one of the things that is common with human is curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. So despite the fact that we don't want it to interrupt our life, we're going to still want to. (laughs) Understand it and Understand it and and remember remember it and figure out how to remember it, how to get around the rules. Here's the rule. Don't do this because if you do, then this will happen. Okay, well, how do we do it anyway? No, no, it's not that. The way I perceived (laughs) it was you're mature enough now that you won't fall into an obsession. Right. right. You know, you're mature enough, you're aware enough, your mind is expanded enough now to understand it for what it is and not for it to become the center of your life. That's how I see it. Well, she sees it from outside the fog. Inside the fog, yes, we did it. We bent the rules <laughs> and we got around them. The trick worked. <laughs> yes. Now, try not to make it the center of your life. Okay, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> can we go to a conference honey? okay <laughs> okay see how easy that was <laughs> it's all over never mind all the other stuff we're going to conferences so that's the context of my question but you didn't answer the actual question which is when when like not very far the ets will be common yeah that's part of being in the fog out of the fog right Part of the end of the fog is that you're separate from everything. Part of out of the fog is you're not separate from everything. From the supercomputers that create, you're not separate from everything. Then everything that isn't you isn't excluded. The input from having a universe full of life, that wouldn't, it wouldn't create supercomputers that create fog. So a long way of looking at it, when the fog is less, the separate is less, then everyone's relations or helpers or aliens or however you want to think about them are less excluded from real. And then they're common. And when they're common, it's the same as like I have a dog. You're not going to go. Well, some people do yeah. go to dog shows and all. They do. Yeah. I mean, you still can <laughs> do that if you want, but it's not going to be like, oh, you have a dog. That's going to take over your life. Although that does to have <laughs> I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> Mercy. So, would it be fair to say that the more connected we become as we step more and more out of the fog, that it will be obvious that we are not alone in the universe and that I think I think this, this now I think about it, I remember the specific nature of this group being able to visit had to do with them not being overloaded sensory by fog. Negative overlay on the planet and stuff. They're too sensitive to even want to come here, let alone mm-hmm. can they? So as this environment changes, that 
becomes less. Uh... So can I give an example? Yeah, go ahead so, and do that because I'm kind of stuck here. So many years ago, I was on a hike and with a couple of friends. And we went through a part of the hike, the path, and there was a wide open door to the world of we might call the fairies. It was a it was a, the, the the veil was very thin there. Right. The world of, of fairies where trees talk and all these type of things. And when I looked at it, well, I went through and there was an experience that I had, right? It was very shocking to me. It's like, okay, we're gonna burn you all, kind of. Now we can take over because the veil is so thin now. We can take over like the human collective of that promote darkness and destruction and death wanted to do that to that realm. Mm. Right. Um, but from this perspective, this side of the veil, those same people were doing their utmost by putting heavy metals all over nature to keep those gates closed because they knew they completely dissolved, those veils dissolved, the whole planet would turn into high frequency. Mm-hmm. Because the planet's covered in trees. Right. So they were doing their best to block that from happening. Right. But the natural and normal and what's in all of our cultures all over the planet is that those realms exist. So in a Western upbringing and everything else, that's all fantasy and they don't exist. And the normal is plants are just wood. They're not conscious. And, you know, animals are not conscious. They don't have feelings or thoughts. We can eat them or beat them up. It doesn't matter. Right. This is that very, very disconnected aspect. And to me, when it said it would be like more common or known is that now we know that those realms do exist. We know that animals are sentient. And we know that plants have feelings. We know these things, right? So that's the difference. And as you know these things, you can actually connect with your animals in a way more healthier way. You can connect with the trees in a more healthy way. You can have all of these interactions and knowings in much healthier ways. Yeah. Do you see? So there's a level of awareness that per permeates through our consciousness then that makes it normal rather than yeah. oh well will they be able to come in so they can't come in because it's too uncomfortable for them those particular ones those particular ones that Larry and Fred were visiting with for them to come into like visit you at home to yeah. have a cup of tea <laughs> would be they would kill them <laughs> you remember because the frequencies <laughs> and energies here right now, especially with all the 5Gs and everything else and the waves and the artificial mechanizations that they're using to increase negative frequencies on the planet, it would blast them out of space. I mean, you, you they wouldn't be able to survive it. And that's right. not unique because a lot of people are extremely sensitive to all those things too, you know? And they're, they can't stand it. There's some people who live in the middle of the forest and they can't go anywhere near a city because of it, right? Mm. So we have people, humans, that are like that too, but they're like that on steroids. Like they're very sensitive, so they can't come in. 
I realized that I uh, interpreted Larry's uh, comment to mean that the contact with other ET species, and not necessarily in a physical way, but just the experiential telepathy, will become so common very soon that Larry's experience would be nothing unusual. He would say like, oh my God, last night I yeah. visited a ship. And your neighbor would be like, so? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's part of the other. It's not any misinterpretation. That's the explanation of why that will be common. You see? Because mm -hmm. they function within a very high frequency and all of our allies on the universe, including all the other human beings or the majority of the human beings in the universe are of a very high frequency nature, right? So as we raise our frequency, it will be common and knowing and nothing unusual for us to be in touch mm -hmm. with them all the time. Right. Because mm -hmm. the, you know, like that's why I gave that example of the woods and the, the, the veil being thin there and then, the technology is to close it down because what happens with those bariums and aluminiums and heavy metals on trees all over the world, it becomes very uncomfortable for those beings in that frequency to be in that presence, right? Mm -hmm. To step into where that, those things exist. It's like very, very, very uncomfortable, makes them sick. So they're not gonna. Yeah. So yeah, at some point it'll be so common it will be unremarkable. Yeah, it could still be interesting. I guess dogs works now. You got dog? Cool, I got dog. Yeah. You went up there. You have who's your friends? Oh yeah, I met those before. Yeah. I have friends like that. Yeah. They fly in turtles. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Right? Everybody knows. Everybody that. knows. Yeah. <laughs> they have giant turtles. They have giant turtles. <laughs> <laughs> giant flying turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Still cracks me up. The next session of uh, the next part of the session, there's a lot of talk about um, the trauma that's caused to the physical body by these visits, and in, in particular by the sudden uh, shift of reality, like one moment you're in bed and the other you're in a spaceship. And um, I wanted to ask uh, Larry if at any point in listening to the recording, did you make any connection to Sherry Wilde's book, The Forgotten Promise? Have you guys read that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have read that. And she, she, she does share a similar experience of being traumatized. Yes. She first goes and um, then at some point becoming comfortable and then having to do that experience every time, repeat it over and over and over and never getting past that experience. It's always been a trauma. And then uh, I think also having a regression at some point and um, accepting that it's happening at a level. And then at this level of conscious talking about it, you know, saying that it shouldn't be terrifying, but it, it reminds me of Anelia's experience with the, the the small people that dressed up in dresses. Yeah, it's like, you could say all you want sitting here, how are you going to be? That isn't going to actually be how you're going to be because guess what? <laughs> we just appear suddenly in front of you. You're going to be terrified. I said, no, like, no, 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 I know you fine. guys, I know you. 
my entire life I've known you. So of course I won't be terrified. It's silly. So they materialize in front of me and my body screams and runs away and I'm trying to stop her and he won't. Runs yeah. all the way downstairs to the kitchen, you know? So being as rational as you want and uh, have Your all the data from here you want, it isn't going to, it didn't change, change anything. That still had to go through that process. And I like snakes, right? I've always wanted a pet snake, but it's a moment yeah. that I wanted to touch one and hold one. My body freaked out and said, no way, it's not going to happen. I think part of it is why is that you're not just the now focused part of your life. You're many, 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 many things focused right here, right now. But all of those things are a component of now, but yeah. not all of them are conscious components of now. Right. Most of them aren't. And even talking about the experience of the other night and everything, it's like I've been very in contact with Larry's body and trying to calm him down continuously because his body was freaking out just talking about it. But he wasn't freaking out. I mean, he was talking and appearing normal, but his physical body was totally, his pulse was really high. His hands went freezing cold. He was fidgeting <laughs> and he didn't want to do it. Yeah, right? Didn't want to do the regression. Like, not, want, uh, didn't uh, want to do this now. He didn't want to talk about it now. That's yeah. why I keep holding his hand all the time because his body was freaking out. Finally, I managed to get some warmth into his hands, right? By calming him, by calming him down, right? But it's been continuous trying to get his body to settle, you know, because his body was like freaking out. So it's like it's a physical body reaction that's traumatizing. Yeah. But there's also the, the soul part and the, the combo. Who's, who's the boss, right? Yeah. What, what about those moments when um, Larry shared about uh, his uh, last the days of his uh, life in those two past lives. That was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> I was surprised the way you were sharing. Like, so cool. So now listening to Ineria the about the reaction of your body, how was it then when you were sharing, well, your death? <laughs> well, from that regressed theta state, you know, it's similar to the been on the ship for a while and your awake state. You kind of enjoy the experience. But the body trauma manifested later the next day mm -hmm. and the evening and the next day after that as very, very unsettled, yeah. honestly. Very unsettled, so very settled, upset, upset, very. Um, yeah. And the, all of my energy depleted. I couldn't walk up a hill. I couldn't do anything. I kind of like felt not myself, mm -hmm. out of sorts. And I don't know what's wrong. Something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I can't figure it out. I just not myself. I can't. Don't want to cook. I don't want to eat. I don't want to. Nothing. Mm -hmm. But the boss of me says, we're going over there. We're going to make this water work. We're going to climb that hill. <laughs> we're going to climb that hill and fix that water. We're going to make that water work. And the water's going to break. And we don't care. We're going to fix it anyway. And so to some degree, I kept my body busy with that. And that project was a, we, we got a new house on the hill. And it had no water. So we decided, Dan and I, system so that the water will work. From starting with um, a whole bunch of things broken down, like a big junkyard. And we're going to put all those parts together and make water happen. <laughs> in the house everywhere 
And we don't have any idea how it's hooked up or how it was hooked up. But there's a lot of stuff here. So it's going to work eventually, maybe. <laughs> half of it's underground. Half of it's in a fallen down house. And some of it's over here and some of it's over there. So in other words, like I used what used to be called distraction, but we call refocus. I refocused my body parts on doing a job. And I didn't mind that the job was, I mean, it's not a world-shaking job. Let's make water go out the sink. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty to involved with it. And it happened to keep itself breaking no matter what we did. But we fixed this part, that part bust. We fixed that part, <laughs> that part stopped. Fixed that part, this part needed adjustment. So it was a never-ending little process of staying engaged and just make the water work. Come on, make the water work. Come on, let's make the water work. It was a bit of distraction from a refocus from dying and being taken on a spaceship and having a mission or a process or a task or a giant thing that's outside of your control, inside of your control. You can control it, but within the fog that you're controlling in it, sometimes you do the wrong things. And every time you're responding to things, sometimes those reactions are not what we were hoping for. Let's just say they weren't the ideal outcome. Let's, how are we going to adjust it? It's a bit like the water. I just made the water, <laughs> the water be a tangible thing to focus on. But now it, it was not a traumatic experience to share it, but the trauma I felt in my body on the next couple of days, mm. very, very, very real. real. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it would be fair to say that the, when these uh, regression sessions happen, that the soul is generally curious and uh, willing to explore, mm -hmm. uh, but the physical body not so much. Hey, the body was happy just quiet <laughs> so i don't know the don't process know. <laughs> that they used because they didn't record it because that's part of you don't want to go into a session every time you listen to it right. oh yeah um, other people in it. right so when when i do one of these i i talk to the body right mm -hmm. directly and i say to the body right okay so while you're remembering this you're going to look back you're, you know, you're going to look back, but you're completely and utterly safe, you're completely and utterly safe. And I'll make sure you are. And the body just goes and relaxes. Right. And then the person can have that memory and everything without the trauma. So I'm thinking that maybe that part of it is not part of the Dolores Cannon uh, methodology to mm -hmm. talk to the body directly, because I don't even know if she knew that there was a difference between a physical body elemental and the soul. I don't know if she knew there was a difference, right? So because I do know, and I know how bodies react, I always address the body too, right? And make sure that the body feels safe, relaxed, and know that everything's going to be just fine. And the, the soul's going to be exploring things and remembering things, but not, wor not to worry about it. They're not going to die. They're not going to do this. You know, so it's, everything's going to be just fine. Yeah. And usually that doesn't happen. You know, they have a little sleep and they're like refreshed and nice, you know. But yes, it can be very traumatic for the body because the body sees all these images and things that the body doesn't know about whether what's real or not. That's why, for example, great athletes, they visualize and daydream themselves winning and 
because the body doesn't know the difference, it programs the body to win, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Later on um, in the session, there's uh, an interesting discussion about what is data and what is interpretation of the data. And it, it is where you talk about the fifth high and uh, I think you mentioned that his, his, the data that he gets is correct, but the way he interprets it is very colored by him not having recovered from the traumatic experience. So he's very paranoid. Everything is from the dark side trying to get him. I think we'll play that bit. Yeah, <laughs> that was quite hilarious. Have we ever uh, interacted with him when we went up in there on different? <laughs> no, he's a crabby old fucker in the corner. Oh. No, we don't. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so we've been there at the same time as Yeah, him, but... but we don't really interact. He's a crabby son of a bitch. All, he's all super paranoid that something's going to, somebody's, something's hurting him, going to hurt him, you know? Okay. And no amount of um, calming him, talking to nothing of that helps because he believes everything, even the, us are them, but in a suit. Ah. So his paranoia has, it's excessive. It's excessive because it makes him uh, put an overlay of whatever's happening there mm -hmm. as the rulers and controllers of the dark side of what's happening on the planet right now. Uh, now, that was hilarious. That made me laugh so much. <laughs> Then we remember we were listening to the regression, and every now and then she'd start cracking up laughing. Oh my god, that was funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why is it funny? Why because, is it funny? Because it's a grumpy old whatever, and the way that Larry describes it. Um, so, yes. so I, I remember there was a someone in their ship, I couldn't remember who they are, but they have really short hair, kind of looked like someone but i don't know who it is but it's who it turned out to be yeah <laughs> i was like oh that's who it is and why i wasn't and everybody just leave him alone just leave him alone pretend he's not there don't yeah. interact with him let him be yeah because we have figured out over time it's if you try to mess with him he just he'll turn against you he knows aikido <laughs> he yes. will get you he's very well trained he has a yeah. lifelong experience with these arts and don't mess with him yeah so that's when a mind goes to, and he admits, you know, that he has paranoia, schizophrenia, and that's his condition, right? That's yeah. his condition. And he has managed to live a productive, full life with that condition by being able to use it as his own tool. Use it as a tool of inquiry. Right. He, knows, of inquiry. he knows that his perceptions are a bit off, off but that's a tool that he uses to ensure he's getting correct information. Correct information. So right. he just assumes all the information is incorrect, and then he right. tries to uh, correct, right. find to it's prove correct. It. Prove so, it one way or another. Yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed is that he kind of does know that these beings are positive, benevolent, and they give him the data, the, the, the information on how to do his his data scans on the internet and other things. Mm -hmm. but how to program. Then, how to program yeah. yeah. 
And then at the same time, he tells how he fought them and he argued with them. Yeah. And and every now and then he falls into that, oh, they're all, you know, communist and they're going to take over the planet. And so he, he fluctuates in and out of the knowing, right? But that he admits it and he knows why that happens to him, right? Mm-hmm. But say if you, can, if you sent him this podcast and say, hey, you know, you were there in the ship and everything's cool and this is what it is. You live nearby and blah, 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 you know. He will say, those people are communists. They're trying to take over America, right? Because it's, that's what fluctuates, you know, the the mindset and it's not quite wired in properly. That's that's why how I see it. And that can happen through drugs or alcohol or sometimes traumatic events or physical injuries that can happen, right? That the wiring gets a little bit off and there's like noise in the in the interpretation or even the data that makes you misinterpret things. Right. So a lot of people will be the opposite that nothing's wrong. Nobody's trying to attack you. Nobody's trying to do harm. Nobody on the planet is bad or evil. Evil doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. We don't give it a name, even though it's, it's just the, as delusional. It's just sense. as delusional as schizophrenia. It's just as bad and negative, but nobody gives it a name because it's not a sickness. It's not an illness. It's just a, a way of seeing the planet, a way of interpreting things. Right. So with him, and I found it hilarious because of the way that Larry expressed it, you know, it's like, it was, <laughs> it was from that. plenty of experiences of doing it <laughs> yeah. because, you know, it's not a doing to us. It's a, we are a part of, yeah. and when we're a part of, we're trying it's to make it work good. Yeah. And so we're trying to make it work good. We need to respond to what we're experiencing and seeing. And then we find that everyone's experiences are different even. Yeah. It's like, well, what's going to work for most of us? What's going to work for all of us? What's uh, what's the consequence of it? You know, th- these kind of things. It's like, how about if we uh, talk to him after? How about if we, uh, you know, yeah, explain work. things in a way that he can, uh, like, hope that didn't work. Yeah. Hope that didn't work. It was like accessing the experience of doing it was so, hilarious yes. to me. It's like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. Just leave, leave him, him be. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't don't go don't, near him whatever you do look at him like acknowledge that he's there because he'll kick you <laughs> and then you'll come back not with your hair part to say with your black eye you know <laughs> you wonder why you were sore that was why <laughs> kind of that why would someone like Cliff High continue this visit because he doesn't seem to become aware enough it's not about visits to become functional it's not about becoming aware of those it's absolutely not not about becoming aware of those i didn't be fred and i didn't become aware of those things because it's necessary we're supposed to or it's necessary or you need to or any of that thing we became aware of it because of our nature yeah our nature is to be curious and to push the boundaries and to do it or not all my nature supposed to do Do what you're not supposed to do and 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 you know, gather allies yeah, to help you figure it out. Yeah. Because despite whether it's good or bad for me, and I'm not allowed to. Well, I want to. And allowed by whom? By Who? himself. By myself. Well, right. I'm going to trick myself. Yeah. This is the nature of my inquiry. I'm not. I'm not better or worse. I'm different. Yeah. The my different manifested itself in this sense of. Um, I found Anelia. And I used the tools that she brought to the planet to process my fear of 
bears eating me every night, getting lucid in my dream and processing my fear in my dream of these bears eating me. And through that process, I neutralized, I guess, in a sense, that control over my entire life, which was very, very destructive. Yeah. It created alcoholism, abuse, all kinds of negative, low-frequency outlets mm -hmm. through fear dominating my unconscious, conscious life, you know? So <sighs> having processed that, moved me to a space where I could be more conscious about the experience. And in that, I want to maybe figure out how I can have a bit of a memory about it. So I've been investigating, how do you get memories about this stuff? And I, I don't know, we read about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I don't know how many books about these, things. about these things. And I could only get a page, a half a page. You fall asleep. And then what would I talk like? I'd be talking like, he would be reading, and then this, and then the person went, and then they went into the ship. And while in the route, we're stuck at a like what? Like, Larry, I can't talk. My mouth isn't working. My eyes are all the bag. The book on his chest, you know. Like, okay. Put the book away, put the legs out. He was out. So that experience uh, uh, for you in Elia made you curious. Like, so there's, this is obviously a, a powerful firewall that we should process to see what's behind it, or that's a dangerous way to go There's about. no danger. There's no danger. To me, it's just funny. You know, Ilya, <laughs> this is normal for her. For I me, I have to repeat the same thing. Over and over 10,000 times, and maybe on 10,001, the person will have an original thought about whatever we were discussing the past 20,000 times. So that somebody has a firewall and it doesn't want to look at something, to me, it's Tuesday, right? It's normal, regular. It's what people do every single day. So why would this be any different? It isn't. I have no idea what you're saying. Like. This is the first time I ever hear you say that. <laughs> Who are you again? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. All right, that, that makes sense. <laughs> so my hey, kind of <laughs> continuation to oh, I don't know. She's hungry. Oh, that's good over there. <laughs> I don't want it. Of course you don't want it. <laughs> so Larry, you already mentioned this in the beginning that you don't uh, necessarily know or care that the data is true or not. But um, did you have any sense of, of truthing it? Uh, uh, maybe after you listen to the recording. So what I meant by that was I'm not in the, I'm not uh, trying to prove that. I'm not, I don't have evidence to prove it as truth and I'm not going to, if I had it, I would probably use it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it. So I can't. So I'm not, 
I mean, I can't right now, so I'm not going to like um, make it my life's mission to prove it by factualizing it. I did research some of my past memory stuff to see if I could connect the memories with a place, an event, or a thing. So, um, yeah, as far as truthing it, I think that's probably evident in the way that the information came. It wasn't, uh, I couldn't make it up. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like I could make it up that way that the answers came, didn't come across as I'm making something up. Mm-hmm. And also, you said that there was no dissonances, right? When looking at the information, there's no like, ah, yeah, that doesn't sound quite right. Yeah, it wasn't the sense of, uh, I'm going to make up something to answer that question. It was a sense of, let's look and see the answer. Here's the answer, and here's the answer expressed. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. It was a surprise to me, too. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever made anything up, but is it a surprise to you what you made up? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wasn't it a surprise to notice that Inelia was not there with you on the ship? Let's see if that was a surprise. No, I didn't think that was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise to me because I, um, I've experienced life with her now for five, six, seven, eight years. And it seems to me that the predictions you might have about her, they're just not right. You might think this or that or the other thing. And I haven't found those predictions to be accurate usually because it's not a, it's not something you're ready. You're ready. You, it's it's I, the color yellow. Right? I, yeah. I, I, it's the color <laughs> yellow that you don't know. So I'm not surprised by things like that anymore. It's like, Oh, of course she's not here. Why would she be here with me when she's always here with me? <laughs> It was interesting to me looking at from that perspective, that higher self perspective and hearing my answer of how to interpret her as being, that was kind of interesting. And even then I could tell that it wasn't, uh, it was try to describe yellow when you don't know what yellow is. It's a pineapple. Yeah. So Inelia, how did you feel when you heard Larry saying the recording that uh, Inelia serves Gaia? It's true, but I it's not exclusive. I, I noticed a slight dissonance with the word serve, and I know you've talked about service, uh, the word service a couple mm-hmm. of times. Maybe there's so, even an article around it. Yeah, so the serve would be like, to me, the way that I saw that sentence was um, uh, I drink coffee because it serves me to wake up in the morning. Mm. Right? Like a, a utility. Right. This is an English language, right? so ling- Romanian English language, language thing, type of right? thing that we need to work because there's many meanings for the same so word. Serve <laughs> is also used to become a slave, to be a slave, to in be service in to... service to which is not what the word it's is. It's not. Meant. It's like Inelia serves a certain role for Gaia. Yes. Right? And it's true. Sometimes I, des- I describe myself as um, Gaia's little pinky, right? In a sense, 
You can pick your nose with your pinky. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but there's pinky serves, right? In a way that balances the hand or whatever. Serves grasping. Yeah. Grasping. Serves holding tea. You know, it serves, it serves pinky, showing that you're a posh hoity-toity. Here, when, when show you, me hoity-toity. Actually, we, no, I can't with this, but Sorry, if you no. if you have a, a glass, right? <laughs> if, it, if it's a glass, then so this you balance serves, it out. The right? pinky so serves can, to communicate. To communicate. And it's not, actually. It's because it balances the glass. No, it serves to communicate your hoity-toity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So do you see this difference of the word? So for me, it wasn't dissonant. But what was dissonant was the interpretation you gave to the word. Right. There's the dissonance. Right. There's a dissonance with interpretation, but also the exclusivity. Mm-hmm. So for Larry, he's Gaia-centric, right? And for me, I'm not Gaia-centric. I serve in many roles mm-hmm. to, or as many utilities to many collectives in the universe. Yes. Many collectives in the universe. Not just Gaia, not just the human collective, not just the angelic collective, not just these ETs, right? That we might call mantis, not just whatever others, right? Not just cat collective or tree collective or the we, the the grasshoppers or whatever so it doesn't really it's not limited it's She's almost like not singular singular it's almost like i remember once two groups of people different groups of people at the same time communicated with me via a call or emails different calls and different emails saying you know we did a, a, a we did um we i'm living with my individuals in both communities I'm living with my soul family now. I found my soul family on earth and we did a, an exercise and we found out that you're part of our soul family. Hmm. Both of them. Mm-hmm. And I said to both of them, you're absolutely correct. I am because I am the soul family of every single human being on earth. Everyone, as well as every other collective on earth. I'm the soul, soul family of dogs and cats and whales and birds and trees and plants, and the soul family of planets, Gaia, and every other planet in the universe. And so the soul collective of gods, all the gods that you can possibly imagine, and their soul collective, part of their soul collective. Right? And the soul collective of every single bug and spider. And the soul collective of every atom in the universe, and the soul collective of every particle of every spark of light and the soul collective of all of those. So it's not an untrue statement. But, but it's also, also not exclusive. It's not exclusive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or limited to. Do you see? Yeah. Yes. Some yeah. of those collectives are louder <laughs> than others. More demanding. More demanding. Very much more others. insisting. Right. Like the human collective <laughs> and Gaia. They're very demanding and very insisting. Right. When uh, Fred asked if Inelia is on the ship, he said that uh, Inelia is an ally, but she's not on the ship with us. But our intents are aligned. And I understood between Inelia, uh, Gaia, and this group of beings. And uh, you, Larry, and Fred. 
Um, and I'm not sure I understood that correctly on what, on what you mean by your intents being aligned or Angelina being an ally, but not part of the group. Well, she's not on the ship because the purpose of the ship is to create a condition that is similar to the one that already exists within Ilya. She doesn't need the ship or the device or the implants or none of that shit. In fact, I can go further and say the implants are very, very primitive They're and primitive. my frequency blows them away. That's right. why people get like the, the their devices burn off and go away because it's, it's almost like I was telling Larry, it's like, let's say you have a radio from the 1920s in the house and you have it plugged in. It's 110 volts, volts here in the United States. Maybe in Europe it would be 240. I don't know what it, I don't remember what it is. Yeah. And your radio will work great. Now imagine if you plug it into a thousand volts, what happens to that radio? Well done. Exactly. But right. And it's over. The radio is over. So this technology that they're using, it's a highly advanced technology, but the frequency is like when I'm around, it's like plugging it to a thousand volts rather than 110 or 240. Right. So the analogy I used to try to describe or explain it was that we're on the earth in the fog and they're halfway to the moon outside of the fog. Mm-hmm. And Anelia was 10,000,000 channeled, not channeled, but 10,000,000 10, beings of incarnations all the way to oneness and the beyond and a direct link straight to the planet. So her access point outside of the fog is how many moons passed. <laughs> In, you can't describe or understand how many moons passed. You can't even really conceive of how many moons passed, but there's something you can use, 10,000,000 people's focused intent and all the way down to focus from here, all the way up past oneness and beyond. Mm-hmm. So that, that was kind of how I described it. So right. She doesn't and, need to be on a ship so that she can compress her awareness down to a tiny little bit between here and the halfway to the moon. That's not going to be better. <laughs> And to express a little bit more about that nature, I have to, again, remind people, and I've talked about it thousands of times, every single being person on the planet is like that, but everybody chooses to be limited in order to have experiences here in bite-sized pieces, right? So I'm not in- exclusive in any way or form in that sense. Everybody's like that, but the difference is that I don't have those amount I have some, but not the same amount of limiting uh, awareness programs running as everybody else on the planet. I have less. Yeah, many of those are the consequence of all those incarnations of uh, eternity's worth of beingness consolidating into how do you want to focus your attentions? Those things are a part of your focus of your attention, and she doesn't have that same thing. Right. So that allows a different perspective. Of course, I have limitations because otherwise I wouldn't be able to function as a human being. So those are necessary or function in the 3D world. They're necessary, but they're not to the same degree that everybody else has on the planet. They're less. And that's why I don't, I'm not in the fog and I'm not outside the fog. The fog doesn't exist. Or I am the fog, whichever way you, <laughs> whichever want, to way you it, want to see it, right? whichever way you want to see it.
So when you're talking about these uh, devices or implants, it will be like uh, me pretending I can't walk so I can invent a wheelchair that's really fast. Yeah. But ultimately, I don't really need it. And I could run past the wheelchair way faster. If I exactly, yeah, yeah. And they want some of the things that, because Larry lives with me, and his implants were blowing up left, right, and center. Badly. Oh, my really God, it was bad. the worst uncomfortable. Yeah. So some of the process has been for them to upgrade their devices so that they don't blow mm -hmm. up in the different voltage, right? I used to go to bed at night and literally be tortured. <laughs> my nose would be big and red and irresistibly itchy and driving me nuts. <sighs> Glad that's over. Yes. <laughs> we had to get that thing out of there and figure out a way to shield it or something. I can't live like this. Yeah. Um, there is a discussion about that in the, the end of the session, but I want to go back just a bit where um, Fred asks, can they help us with a free energy device <laughs> yes, finally, the yes. finished question. <laughs> and the answer that you gave was, absolutely, but not right now, because it would be counterproductive right now. Pointless. Why? Well, just look at it. What would happen if you invented a free energy device tomorrow? How many times has that happened? First of all. Many times. Apparently oh. many times. How come it doesn't get around? What happens to the people who bring it, bring it or invent it? They agree to it being suppressed. <laughs> like, yeah. In different forms, yeah, they do. And so if you plug into the wall, what happens right now? You got electricity. Yeah. Electricity goes out, what do you do? You start your generator. The generator goes out, you go buy some more gas, you get a little solar thing. For your life right now, it's not going to make a giant impact. Free energy? You know, for mm -hmm. for it, it to make a giant impact. No, no, you would still use the same technology. do the same thing with the same stuff. Yeah. You just plug in and the Made plug in would go somewhere else instead right. of to the dam or to the generator or to the solar battery. It would just go to a thing different. What would bring it? What would someone else who makes fog do with that kind of device? And when I say fog, you know what I mean by fog? In our interpretation of fog, that's our word for creating a... If they have those free energy devices, how many places could they place 5G towers, for example? Or how many unending, undying cell phones could they spread around the world that don't need plugged in? Don't need in? plugged in or charged. How much okay. decentralized fog generation could they create? Yeah. So... The devices the and the abilities and the things that they have currently, the technology that they've already suppressed, it stays suppressed almost like in an agreement. It's like, mm -hmm. you know. Not yet. Not yet. Pretty, pretty. When Soon. it's time, sure. Now, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's a distraction. Don't need it. Let's just put that off the board. You didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I disagree. <laughs> Well, I disagree. Of course. <laughs> and you could pry and dig and get it. Yeah, definitely. I just passing the data that I received because, of course, I 
felt and wanted and agree with you. Yeah, fine, dandy. We don't need it. I want it anyway. I'll use it for uh, something great. Whatever, you know. I have that same urge and same desire and same wish. I agree with you. So they will help us with it. No problem. Not yet, though. Okay. It's almost like the frequencies thing, too. For it to work, you need to be of a certain frequency. You need to be at a certain frequency as a human collective for, for it to work. Their tech, yeah. Yeah. You know how their tech wasn't working when I was around, right? Mm-hmm. It's slightly, slightly different like perspective, but it's very similar. In a low frequency way, it won't work. If you plug in your radio to five volts and it's a hundred and ten volt, will it work? No. no. Ah, work. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're we're set up already right now to accept a voltage. Yeah. That isn't what that thing makes. Right. That thing makes different thing. Yeah. It's the energy source, but it's not. 110 or 240 volts and it's not even ac and i can tell you right now that there are thousands of people around the planet who are invented it created it and are using it that technology mm-hmm. but with a deep understanding of don't spread it it's not going to be it's going to be create more harm than good at the moment to spread it and as being public figures guess what's going to happen if we get one of those at home Right. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Nothing. He's he's not going to tell anybody. He's learning. Yes. <laughs> That's how we got our hair parted the wrong way and woke up in the morning. <laughs> yes. right. We'll figure it out. I got it. Right. So, did you get your questions? How are you guys feeling? I have one more question about the about uh, the healing part at the end of the session. Oh, okay. Um, and maybe it's just the protocol that um, Fred was using, but he, he was asking uh, to do the body scan and he, he would spot, you Larry would spot some uh, issues. And uh, then he, Fred would ask, can you fix that right now? Uh, like for the knee or for other things that would bother you. And, uh, my curiosity is who was the who was the you that was being asked because it didn't seem to be the physical body. So who was but asking a new fix this way? <laughs> oh, continue the body scan down uh, mouth neck. Neck is good. Lungs are good. Finally, heart's good. Liver's good. Legs are good. Knee. Right knee, left knee. Right knee. Still got a little damage. Mm-hmm. Can you fix that right now? Let's see. He said, and at one point in the regression, he asked for permission to speak to my expanded higher self. So he would be speaking to my expanded higher self, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that sense of awareness 
has an answer to why things are that aren't the same as the regular right regular yeah. in the fog sense right. that's experiencing the limited world mm-hmm. so my normal regular old uh, consciousness is experiencing the regular world despite the fact that i'm co-creating my experience of the regular world and i've set up limitations to box in my experience of life to the way that serves my reason for being here despite what my in the box in the fog person might scream or say he really really wants (laughs) you know because yeah he really really wants that he really really wants this he really wants that too but we're not here for that we're here for something else so it'd be better if you don't do that but if you do do that it might be a little harder it might be a little this but or it might be this or it might be that Mm -hmm. or it's like Let's try to navigate ourselves back on path or, you know, go ahead, have a visit, but come back. You can go to Hawaii, but you can't live there. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things. And it was interesting that the answers that uh, you gave to Sam, um, that you, being the higher self, gave to the questions was that, no, you're not going to fix the right knee, for example, because it's a useful limitation uh, at the time keeping you from doing lots of physical work and therefore creating time to do podcasts like this. Right. Because if my focus was on, let's get our house ready and this is all the stuff that needs done. And I get up at five in the morning and have some coffee and run out of here. And Elia doesn't wake up. at Well, she might wake up at five, but <laughs> I don't usually wake up at five. Nobody would here make the breakfast. Though we'd be here to do the things that, um, I do that makes life good for us as a couple you know it helps I think create the space for her to do the things that she does it helps for us to create the things that we do together it helps that I'm not like on a fishing boat gone for a week and then I come back and it takes two or three days to reacclimatize, and then get back into the rhythm and then I leave again and it's a constant state of disruption well similarly if uh it's the same thing about fishing with my body. If I have a healthy body that can take a lot of strain and effort and I can also go fishing, you know, right now I can't really go salmon fishing too good because every time I kneel down, it kind of hurts my thing. I need to be, I have to make accommodations for that and then stand up weirdly and grab the fish and lift it up and then try different muscles and, you know, get around it. It's just not as effective. So it's less enjoyable and it comes more tedious and not really, I don't really want to. If I had my choice, I would rather. The So it creates the situation of if I had my choice, I would rather be with her doing what we're doing things like right now. That would be what I'd rather be doing mm-hmm. because the other is less comfortable. It's a little bit of limitation self-imposed to create outcome mm-hmm. like her hand and playing her music. Sure, fixed hand to be great, but then guess what I'm going to do? It's irresistible. I really, really, really like it. And she'll start playing her guitar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then she'll marry a traveling bard and be singing music on the stage somewhere. <laughs> and in all of you, us. <laughs> oh my God. See? <laughs> we are not going to let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well that was a great (laughs) recording i think Mm. are you guys feeling complete i think about one quarter complete 
I'm quite a complete. <laughs> we can go for two more hours. I know, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> so if you're interested in the whole thing, just go to subscribe star or work with me now and you'll download it. Yeah. You get the entire regression. Yes. You get the whole story as it yes. was experienced. You Except can. for the personal bits of people. Who Minus the personal bits of the people who haven't, who are involved who haven't been talked to. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know. You can do the previous lifetime part. And the the hair thing. Yeah, yeah just good. keep it to yourself. It's yeah. between you and I. Yeah. Don't share it or publish it anywhere else. Yeah. It's private information that you have access to because you're one of the, one of our tribe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's the purpose and the point of our second hour. Yeah. Of our driving to the res is, you know, we just have a conversation between us. Frankly, honestly, and con- including all of the stuff that we might not be comfortable saying with everyone at the gas station. Right. Yep. That's good. I like that. I like it too. You feel complete, darling? I do. Okay. I love you. Love you. Now you have to do it. Okay, your turn. <laughs> love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>